Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Good to have you all out here today on this 4th of July weekend, sort of weekend. Anyways, um, I was just kind of laughing. This was, this was a week where I was trying to be so good with my diet this week, because, and I'll tell you why, I have a reason for that. I don't own a lot of suits anymore. I have a few suits, you know. We, I'm, I'm so glad we're not in here where I have to wear suits every day. But uh, I'm doing a wedding uh, after this service today, and uh, I only have a few suits, and there's one favorite wedding suit. And I was like, I want to be able to fit in that, because that's not going to change its size. Like, I have to fit in it. And so, like, I kind of did half good and half not good. And I, I made the mistake, because I do the shopping, of buying a bunch of candy. And how many know when you buy that, it's there to be eaten? Somebody's got to do it. My wife's not going to do it. I've got to do it. So I knew I was in trouble this morning because when I stepped on the scale to see how I had done this week, the scale actually said one person at a time, please. I was like, man, I'm in trouble. I'm like so in trouble today. Anyways, hey, it's great to be here with you guys. We are starting a brand new series on the Psalms. And in this very first lesson, I'm just going to give you just a small overview. I don't want to bore you with a lot of information that you're not interested in, but the Psalms are really very, very powerful. There's 150 of them in our Bible. They're divided into five different books. And um, one of the reasons I became interested in the Psalms um, was the fact that I was a worship leader for over a decade. And I had noticed that there was a pattern in a lot of the worship leaders I listened to. It was almost like you could predict everything they were going to say every time they led worship. It was like redundant. And I was like, come on, we can do better than that. And I thought, I don't really know what else to say, though. I'm hearing what they're saying. I'm like, glory. It's like, well, okay, we can do better than that. So I thought, you know what? I think I need to go to the book of Psalms. And when I went to the book of Psalms, what was really interesting was the Psalms actually helped to build the vocabulary of praise because I wasn't born knowing how to praise God. Like, I might feel that I want to praise Him, but I don't really know how to express it. And so I developed this vocabulary of praise. And, of course, the Psalms are well known. And it, even if you aren't into the Psalms, you're going to encounter them at a funeral, right? The Lord is my shepherd. That's going to be there. Maybe some of you grew up hearing, you know, uh, or you had it on your fridge, you know, Psalm 91. You know, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So the Psalms are out there. As a matter of fact, and don't hate me for this, but I grew up a Lakers fan. I still am. We haven't had a lot to cheer for in an awful long time. And I don't want success at your misery, but I am willing to accept it. I'm sorry. I'm just saying that. But uh, I remember when Kobe Bryant, you know, was at the peak of his physical capabilities. And all of a sudden he got into a situation that was a bad situation. And he got into legal trouble and his marriage was blowing up and things were not looking good. And I know he went through a really uh, tough time and I'm not excusing anything he did. But I just remember the next time I saw him roll out on the court. He had Psalm 27.1 tattooed really huge on his arm. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So I appreciate the Psalms. But what happened to me was probably about six months ago, one of the things that I try to do is I try not to become stagnant in my spiritual life and say, hey, I know that. So I was trying to sort of grow in my prayer life and, and take prayer to another level. And that led me to do some reading. And as I began to do some reading, it kind of pushed me into the Psalms. And I began to find out that throughout history, I found out that the first 300 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you had been part of the early church, you would have regularly sang and prayed through the book of Psalms every time you came together. I found out that not only did Jesus go through the Psalms, in fact, half the quotes that he makes from the word of God are actually out of the book of Psalms. 
But I found out that the Apostle Paul and Peter and the early church for hundreds of years, historically, all the way up to people like Martin Luther and some of these heavyweights, even Billy Graham, these are people who regularly went through the Psalms. Because can I say something? I have a granddaughter who's six months old. And all of a sudden, I'm exhausted last night. It was a long day yesterday. I'm exhausted. And all of a sudden, they like FaceTime us. And they're like, hey, you got to check this out. Well, she was just starting to do like her first crawling. You know, it's really cool. You know, so like, well, I'm like half dead. But I'm like, yes, I'm up for that. So I'm watching. But how do you know? We're like mom and dad are talking to, to baby Eliza all the time, right? And we're talking to her. And how do you know? How is she going to learn how to talk? How is she going to build a vocabulary? She's going to basically have us talk to her. And as we keep talking to her, one day she's going to repeat a word back. Well, that's really how prayer develops. Prayer is answering God. We'll talk about that a little bit next week where God talks to us and then we respond back to him. He builds this vocabulary in us. And when, even when it comes to worshiping, I don't necessarily know how to worship unless someone trains me or shows me how to do it. I might want to do it. And so that's what the book of Psalms can do for us. And I know this about Psalms and, and really any song is songs are powerful. How many know a song will go deep into you in ways that nothing else will? Um, there's a lady that goes here that has a friend that has a whole uh, charitable organization. While she does it, she buys uh, these devices. I don't know if they're, I don't even know what they are, but they give them to these Alzheimer's patients. And these are people who are just not there a lot. And what they do is they'll create a playlist from their era. They'll say, what, you know, what age, what, was, what were the popular songs when they were teens? And they'll build a playlist for these Alzheimer's patients. And as they plug this in, what happens is an amazing transformation. I'm not saying it's a permanent one. But what will happen as they listen to these songs, they'll begin to sing them. And suddenly they're lucid. And they're now talking to you. Now, it's not lasting. But it's triggering something. How many know? I don't know what they taught me in high school math or English. I really don't. I cannot recount. I can't remember even one lesson. But you know what? If you ask me what were some of the songs when I was in high school, I can sing them out. If I haven't heard them in like 10 years, because I graduated a little more than 10 years, if I haven't heard them in 10 years, it's like I can still like hear that song and just bam, I'm right there. I can sing. Why is that? Because songs go deep. Songs touch our emotions. You know, the Psalms cover at least 24 of the emotions that you and I have are in the Psalms. Because here's the thing. You know, someone said real prayer starts when somebody slaps you in the face. Real prayer starts when somebody stubs their toe. We don't just try to come into the presence of this loving God as perfect people who are trying to kind of keep our act together. No, we come in in all of our raw emotion and we bring that into his presence. We say, man, this is what's going on. And that's what I love about the Psalms. They're like, God, life really sucks right now, but I still trust you. You know what I mean? They bring that raw emotion in there. And I love that because we don't have to pretend to be something or act like something we're not. We can be real. And this living God begins to change us when we're in his presence. So I, I, I'll tell you just one more story about songs. When I was in seventh grade, we took a general music class. And I never really thought about it much until then. But this music teacher, what he did was he showed us this short movie with no sound whatsoever. And I'm not going to lie, it was boring. And then he tasked the class. He said, hey, here's what we're going to do over the next six weeks. You guys are going to pick the music bed, and we're going to edit music to this movie, and then we're going to rewatch it. And you know what? That movie was no longer boring. Ladies, how many of you want to watch The Notebook without music? That's a boring movie. You won't even like it. How about this? We just did Creed, A Night at the Movies, right? How many of you can imagine Creed coming into the ring 
without dun, 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 right? It just wouldn't be the same. So, I mean, songs go deep into us, and God knows that. And honestly, uh, what I love the most about Psalms is honestly, it's a prayer book. It's a praise book, but it's a prayer book that I learn how to pray out these Psalms to God, these songs to God. So, anyways, we're gonna we're done with the overview. We're gonna look at the very first Psalm, Psalm number one. I just want to go through it. And a lot of people believe that this book of Psalms was uh, assembled and put together while Israel was in exile in Babylon. And this first Psalm is unlike any other Psalm. It's actually not a prayer. But people believe that it was strategically placed here to sort of be a gateway or to set the tone for how you and I are to approach this whole book of Psalms. So Psalm 1, verse 1, starts with the word blessed. Blessed is the person who does not follow the advice of wicked people, take the path of sinners, or join the company of mockers. Rather, he delights in the teachings of the Lord and reflects on his teachings day and night. He is just like a tree planted beside streams. A tree that produces fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither. He succeeds in everything he does. Wicked people are not like that. Instead, they are like husks that the wind blows away. That is why wicked people will not be able to stand in the judgment. And sinners will not be able to stand where righteous people gather. The Lord knows the way of righteous people, but the way of wicked people will end. So someone is doing what? It's contrasting how very different our life can be from other people's lives, that if we're people who have made a decision to follow Jesus and are following him, that we're going to flourish. And then there's another life where you're choosing to reject all of that, and it says that you become dried up and blow away. There's no stability there. And so contrast that. But what's really interesting is the very first word in the very first psalm starts with one word, blessed. Blessed. And I don't know about you, but how many know blessed gets used a lot? Does it not? I mean, somebody will they'll say, hey, can you say the blessing? What do they mean? Can you say a prayer? How about this? When I went to school in the South, I came in contact with a saying I'd never heard before. And this was apparently used because people didn't think I was too smart because they say, bless your darling heart, which kind of meant was like cold for like you're really not smart, right? How about this? How many of you... You're out at a restaurant, you're in the store, and all of a sudden you sneeze. And what does somebody say? How many of you in here are willing to admit you're one of those people that just says that? You're like the person that does the drive-by blessing, like somebody sneezes and I bless. Who are you? I want to see you. Okay, thank you. Others of us are going, the way you can bless me is cover your mouth next time, buddy. Please, cover your mouth. <laughs> so, and, and, and we do this thing blessed a lot, right? Like, I mean... Oh my gosh, that coffee was so amazing. That's the best cup. That's the best, you know, mocha I've ever had. Hashtag blessed, best coffee ever, right? I just got a promotion, got a new car. Hashtag blessed, new car. Oh, my new girlfriend, she's like way better than that old girlfriend I used to have. You remember her? Hashtag blessed, new girlfriend, right? So you have, you have this. So what happens is like when you throw around the word blessed a lot, you know, you can kind of lose what it actually means. So let me just tell you, uh, what it actually means here, and then we'll just get to the core of the word. It just is this, it's just simply this, the state of prosperity or happiness, and that's just the word I want to key on. It really just means to be happy. That comes when a superior bestows his favor or blessing on one. So what does it mean to be blessed? It means to be happy because of God's divine favor working in your life. Like, my happiness is essentially coming from God, and that's what it means to be blessed. Now, if you've already put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you already are blessed. In Ephesians 1.3, it says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
Through Christ, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. Now, I know that that's true. I believe that that's true. But how many would also agree that we can position ourselves to receive even more blessing? I believe that's true. And I believe that the Psalms kind of points us down a road, if you will, or a path of blessing. And if we choose to walk into the Psalms, and the Psalms are found, you can find four references in your New Testament that encourage you to sing them. And if you walk down that pathway, it's a pathway of blessing. Of course, the Sermon on the Mount, that's another pathway to blessing, right? But I believe that we can have more of that. We can encounter more of God's goodness in our life. And when I think about the American dream, right, pursuit of happiness is right there, right? And how many times do we hear people say when it comes to, like, their kids or, you know, someone they love the most, what do we often say? I just want them to be happy. I just want them to be happy. Well, I'll tell you what, today I want to show you how you can be happy. And, you know, I found this out that the harder you chase happiness, the more elusive it can become. It doesn't always come by chasing it. In fact, here's what I would argue, and this is the main thought I have for you today, and simply this, that happiness doesn't come by chasing it, but by being blessed by God. So in the ancient world, they had no concept of this. To them, they believed in multiple thousands of gods, and they believed that the gods toyed with their life. And if they were happy, they would hide it from the gods because the gods would get mad and angry and do stuff to them. But then one day, there's a guy by the name of Abram. He's not yet Abraham. His name is Abram. And he's living in what would be modern-day Iran. And he's in this place called Ur of the Chaldees. And God speaks to this man and says, I want to bring you into another place, and I want you to leave your family because I'm going to raise up a nation out of you. And God, in fact, does that in a miraculous way. You have a man who, at the age of 100, and a wife who has never been able to have children, there is no in vitro, there's no infertility treatments, has never been able to have children. At the age of 90, she bears a son by the name of Isaac. Laughter. And God supernaturally puts his mark on this nation that becomes Israel, the Jewish people. And this nation is very different because this nation doesn't have a king like all the other nations. They don't have presidents. They don't have parliament. They have God. They're what's called a theocracy. They're under the rule of God, which is why when you read the first five books of the law, very often it's like their constitution as well. God's ruling that nation. But you know what's really interesting? When you're under the rule of God, guess what he does that the gods have never done? He uses constantly this word called blessing. God says, I will bless you. You will bless me. You will bless one another. I will bless you to be a blessing. So this word blessing is part of God's economy, if you will. And so as simple as that stands or sounds, I just want to ask you a question. How many of you would say at the core level, Graham, I'm consistently happy? And if you're not consistently happy, why not? And if not, I want to challenge you to believe that God has that for you. You might be here today, and this might be one of the toughest times you've ever been in. You might be going through a divorce. I don't know what you're going through. But even in the middle of that mess, God wants to give that to you. He wants to bless you and give you that contentment, that happiness that comes from him. And again, just one more story here, but um, I, I love this because sometimes I'm trying to think about, you know, how do, how do I communicate this? Well, I heard this pastor tell a story um, about a lady in his church. She was raised outside the church. Her family had never gone to church. She was the only one in her family that came to a place of faith later in life. And 
she suddenly got excited about this. God was beginning to work in her life. And every time she would see her pastor, she would say the same thing, whether it was over what happened during uh, her week or whether it was after hearing a message or a sermon. She would walk up and she would say these words, Pastor, I'll tell you what, since I made a decision to follow Jesus and put my faith in him, I am so lucky. I mean, I've got so much luck going on in my life. What was she saying? She was saying, I'm happy and I'm fortunate with a holy luck. Like she didn't have the vocabulary to be able to describe what was happening. So all she could say was, I'm lucky. And God's blessing us with a holy luck, if you will. Do you know what I mean? And, and blessed is a better word than luck. But God is blessing us to the point where we can walk in this place of happiness. So if you're here today, I just want you to know, I believe that that's God's will for your life, that he wants you to be consistently happy. All right. I'm going to look at a crazy story in the Old Testament. Now, my favorite stories are the really crazy ones in the Old Testament. I, there are some crazy Old Testament stories that I just love. I love them because of how crazy they are. Like, they're just crazy. And I love that about them. And, and this one's kind of semi-crazy. But what it is, is how many of you ever, like, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you were at Disney World, Disneyland, you rode the ride. Okay, you know the whole deal, right? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, there was an ark, right, in, in the Old Testament, and God's presence was there in that ark, and so they guarded that. And so for years and years and years, hundreds of years, it was just sort of discarded, just kind of off in some remote place. Well, then David, who's one of the greatest kings of Israel, is being crowned as king over all of Israel. And David says, hey, you know what? It seems to me like we need to bring this ark up to Jerusalem, this holy city. And so he gathers a huge group of musicians and priests and singers and dancers and in a very celebratory way, they're going up, man. They're going up to Jerusalem. I mean, it's like this is a party going on, but it's like a holy party. And this party's going on. And all of a sudden, what they forgot was God said, when you handle this ark, handle with care. Like there's a way to do it and a way not to do it. And so as it's going up, it starts to tip. And this one priest goes, oh, it looks like it's going to tip over. That's like saying God needs your help. And he doesn't. And so he puts his hand up to steady it. And the Bible says it kindled the anger of God. And he died instantly. So God got mad. Well, then David got mad too. David was like, what's up with you, God? I'm doing this great thing. And suddenly, like, you're killing people here. And he's like, I'm done with you. And he sent all, he, he wrote out the paychecks, sent them all home, said, hey, you're paid for the day, but we're not doing this now. And he's like, what are we going to do with this arch? And so they said, hey, we just got to ditch it somewhere. So he knocks on the door of a guy who's not even Jewish. He's not an Israeli by the name of Obed. And he's like, hey, by the way, uh, somebody just died out here. I don't want to get into how it happened. But would it be possible to park this little cart here at your house for a while? It just happens to host the presence of God. Would you okay with that? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. So he leaves it there. And David's like, David's kind of throwing like a holy tantrum for like three months till he hears a story about what's going on in this dude's house. He's like, whoa, hold on a second here. Let's look at this, 2 Samuel chapter 6. The chest stayed there for three months, and the Lord greatly blessed Obed-Edom, his family, and everything he owned. And so if we went on to read the rest of it, say David said, go get it. I want it now, right? Can I ask you a question? Is this guy doing anything different than he's ever done before? No, <laughs> but his business is flourishing. I mean, he can't keep up with production. He can't hire enough people to keep it going. His marriage, his kids, everything that encompasses this guy's life 
has the hand of God's blessing on it and he's flourishing it to the point, he's flourishing to the point where David says, I've got to have that. And do you know the only thing that Obed-Edom actually did? All he did was this. For them to park the ark there, they had to have his permission because it was his property. He had to welcome God's presence into his life. And by just welcoming God's presence into his life, he invited God's great blessing in his life. I love that. That is the power of blessing. How many of you want to have the power of blessing working in your life? I know I need to have the power of blessing working in my life. So that's awesome. All right, here's another thing about blessing. You know, I love this, that the Psalms, they set this tone for blessed, right? And so blessed becomes this directional antenna, if you will. It's like a mindset for picking up, you know, signals about the blessing of God. Just lost my sermon here. All right, that's all right. So anyway, so let's just take that. Let's just take this right here. This is an iPad, right? And let's just say that I arbitrarily decide I want to watch the World Cup right now because there's a game going on right now. Sorry if you're a fan. All right, most Americans aren't, but sorry if you are. Anyways, I could literally connect to the Wi-Fi here. I could pull up my Direct Now app and just start watching. Or some of you could watch your cooking show, or you could watch whatever you want, right? That content is accessible if I'm willing to connect to it. But how many of you know, if I'm not willing to connect to it, or I don't make the effort to connect to it, I won't see it. It'll just pass me by. Can I just tell you this? When it comes to uh, the word blessing, that God wants to bless us, but he also wants us to begin to have an expectation for it. And I want to just say this to you. Expectation is really important in life. It's especially important in this thing called the kingdom of God. So let me share a little story with you. Um, I was only a Christian for like a year before I went to college, and this college was exclusively just for people who wanted to be in ministry. And so I didn't really know that much, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, working a full-time job, going to school full-time. I'm hearing the Bible constantly. And um, so I can remember, like, I'm learning all this stuff. And so they would have these guys come in and speak at chapel every so often. So this guy came in, and he spoke about uh, prayer, and he spoke about faith. And then he said, hey, I know you could just walk out of here. This is just another lesson. He goes, but I want to actually challenge you. He goes, I want every one of you students in here, I want you to pray for something. And I thought, well, and I, you know, this is kind of shallow, but I was just like, man, I don't really need anything. I can't think of anything I need. You know, I wasn't at the point of thinking a lot about you or someone else and saying, well, they need something. Let me pray for them. I wasn't there yet, guys. So I was just like, okay, I can't think of anything. And I was just, I arbitrarily just said, okay, well, I'll just ask for like $2. I didn't need $2. I just arbitrarily said, okay, God, give me $2. And so I'm going on about my business. It's about two days later. I'm at work and I'm outside and I'm washing my truck during my lunch break. So I'm washing my truck during my lunch break, and I come in, and this is how you know you're young, because in those days I washed my truck every week by hand and waxed it every other week. Today I drive it through a car wash at least a minimum of once a month. So that's about it, all right? There's the difference. So I'm washing my truck. I come in, and my manager goes, hey, you know what? Would you be willing, if I just let you have the time, would you be willing to wash my car? I'm like, yeah, man. She was a great manager. I loved her. She was a sweet lady. I was like, man, I'll wash your car, no problem. So I wash her car, and I mean, I walk in, right? And all of a sudden, she's just like, she's trying to put something in my hands. And I'm like, and I'm like, oh, no, no, because I'm like, no, no, no. And I'm, in my mind, is like, well, my parents taught me, don't ever do something to get something. Just be a good neighbor and help someone. Don't do it because you have an expectation to kind of, that they owe you one now. No, no, just be a good citizen. Be a good neighbor, right? And so my mindset was like, no, 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 I can't take that from you, Pat. I, I, don't, I don't want that. I don't want that. And, and like, she kept trying, and I kept pushing her away. 
Well, the moment she stopped, it was like a lightning bolt of heaven went off. We call that revelation. We're like, suddenly you just know something. You don't know how you know it. Just like, oh, I don't, I, what? And this lightning bolt that went off me was like, you just turned away your answer to prayer. And I was like, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't looking for it. I walked right past it. And I just repented. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. If you ever do that again, I won't push the answer to my prayer away. So it was an Indian summer in Oklahoma, a little bit cooler. I went home that night, and um, that particular night I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to sit out here under the stars for a while and just kind of look up and just kind of chill a little bit and just kind of allow my thoughts to kind of go towards heaven. I've been dealing with customers all day. I just need to kind of like calm down before I get to bed. So it's kind of cool out there in the Indian summer. So I zip my jacket up, and I stick my hands in my pocket, and I'm like, I'm feeling something. And I'm like, what the heck? I didn't put anything in my pockets. And I pull it out, and it's this white piece of paper folded over, and it's got a paper clip on it, so you can't see what's inside of it. And it's got a typed message. Yeah, that dates me. I am a dinosaur officially. It actually had a typed message on there. And someone had typed on there, to Graham from question mark. I took the paper clip off, opened it up, and it, was a ten, no, it wasn't a $10 bill. It wasn't a $5 bill. You know what was in there? Two single dollar bills, two singles, two dollars. Not one, not five, not ten. Specifically what I prayed for. God was just meeting me where I was at that point in my life and my growth in God. He was showing me that he was real. He was showing me that he does, in fact, hear my prayers, that he does, in fact, send answers, and that sometimes I need to be looking for them. That changed my perspective on prayer. When I pray, I now start looking for the answer, expecting the answer. And it's a different attitude because very often if I'm not expecting that answer, it'll walk right past me. And so I just remember taking a pen and filling in where the question mark was, and I just put from God. You know, He showed himself to be real. And here's the thing. I love what Eugene Peterson says. He says, so when we come to a place of prayer or worship, like we did here this morning, how many of you love our worship here? Come on. Do we not have an awesome... Yeah. I have, I'm not going to lie. This is like, this is the confessions of a former worship leader and pastor. I have been to services where I just prayed for the worship to end as fast as possible. I never pray for that here. I'm like, they could go on forever. I'd be happy just to let them go on. You know, it's so good here. Anyways, all right, back to the point here. So when we come into a place of prayer, worship blessed creates an expectation of readiness to experience more of God's goodness. The anticipation of being blessed works changes in us that make us capable of being blessed. I love that. So let me create a little expectation in you in case you're not expecting God to bless you. Maybe you don't feel like you've qualified for his blessing, but you have. But Psalm 23, 6 says this, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And that word pursue is a word that's used for how an animal hunts its prey. What is that saying? It says that today when you woke up, God had foreordained that he was going to hunt you down with goodness and mercy or unfailing love, that he was going to chase you till you stopped and let it catch you. Some of you are still running from it. You're the only one that could stop it. But if you'll stop and let it catch up to you, that goodness and mercy, you can encounter and experience that today. And guess what? When you wake up tomorrow and it's a brand new day, that mercy will be brand new, that goodness will be brand new, and the hunt will be on all over again. So you know what? God does want to bless your life. He does want to give you that sense of happiness that you can go through life with. So, again, is it possible to be happy? I believe that Psalm 1 shows us how to be happy. So, today we only have time to just cover a few more things and then we're going to finish up. But in Psalm 1, 
one of the things that happiness, uh, it shows us one of the ways that happiness comes is simply this. We're not just blessed by what we do, but sometimes by what we don't do. We're not just blessed by what we do, but what we don't do. And here's what I mean by that. Have you ever noticed that part of the Lord's Prayer is simply that uh, as we go through, if you were raised praying the Lord's Prayer, you go through that. And of course, you can do it verbatim, and that's still powerful, but it was never meant to be a verbatim prayer. It was meant to be a point to jump off into those subjects and touch on different areas of needs in our life. And the last part of that prayer, before we end it with praise, is, Lord, and now lead us not into temptation. Or we would say it in our language, lead me away from temptation. What was he saying? God is saying, you can pray that I will lead you away from bad stuff so that bad stuff doesn't even happen. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to have bad stuff happen or that you're not going to encounter problems. You will. But what I'm saying is there's a lot of problems that we walk into because we've never prayed for God to steer us away from. So when I pray that over me and you guys and my family, I say, Lord, lead me away from pits that have been dug for me, snares and traps that have been set for me, ambushes. And Lord, if me or my family or you guys are in the middle of something, if they are in the middle of a battle, then deliver them. Because you have delivered them, you are delivered, and you will yet deliver them. So Jesus told his disciples when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, pray, watch and pray so you don't fall into temptation. One translation says, watch and pray so you don't wander into the danger zone without even knowing it. Did you know there's things that will cause us to be blessed by avoiding them? That's what I'm trying to get to. Part of blessed, being blessed is by part of what we're able to avoid. So let's look at what we're able to avoid here. Psalm 1.1. Blessed is the person who does not follow the advice or the counsel of wicked people, take the path of sinners, or join the company of mockers. So it starts out by saying you're blessed by who you don't hang out with, right? So who are the people that we're not supposed to hang out with? And by the way, God doesn't want some holy huddle where we only associate with people who think, act, and talk like us. That's not what this is saying. But what it is saying is not everybody can be your bestie, okay? Not everybody can be your bestie. So what's the first one? Don't follow the advice or the counsel of the wicked. How many know? In today's world, we are inundated with communication 24-7 that has all kinds of advice, unsolicited advice, mind you, which drives me crazy, unsolicited advice telling us what we need to do to be happy. And how many of you know a lot of that stuff that we're hearing does not reflect how God feels about it? It does not have what the Bible would call the mind of Christ in it. In other words, God's opinion may be 100% different than that opinion. And if you take that advice and embrace it, what are you doing? You're removing yourself from the blessing. So that's number one. Number two, it says that we're blessed when we don't stand in the way or literally take the path of sinners. Now, if you know this church's heart, you know that we don't, we don't look at people and look down on them ever. We don't do that. That's not our approach. There's no perfect people allowed. We say that all the time, but it says that we shouldn't stand in the way of sinners. What does that mean? So I had a lady in our church um, a number of years ago, and this lady was a tremendous athlete. <laughs> she had the strongest grip of any woman I ever met. She was a world record holder. She was a stunt woman, and she spent a lot of time on the sets in those days. And, and I asked her one time, I said, hey, you know, do me a favor, man. I said, you're with some people that would, quote, unquote, be, like, extremely good at sinning. How do you let your light shine on those sets? And you know what? Her answer actually surprised me. She said, you know what? Honestly, it's not always by what I say or by what I do. She said, honestly, what stands out to my coworkers the most is what I don't participate in. Now, when I say that, you're thinking, oh, was she like a little holy lady with a bun and no jewelry? No, no, no. This lady was not approved. I mean, honestly, I remember, Lauren, I went to a couple of the parties that they threw for that crowd. 
And these people knew how to throw a party, seriously, but they also knew where to draw the line. They knew what not to do. And you know what? When you do that, and when you decide that you're not going to just go the way that everybody else is going, and you're going to go God's way, there's a blessing in avoiding that. There is. All right? Last one. Or join the company of mockers. The old uh, versions of that would say, don't sit in the seat of the scornful. So to sit means to sit among a group of people or to hang out with them. That's the people that you hang out with, essentially. And here's what I have experienced. And I feel sad for some of you. Now, when people say the good old days, I, I'm not one of those guys. I think the best days are ahead of us. But I'll tell you one thing I do think has changed in the last several years is people have no restraint when it comes to harshly judging, criticizing, attacking other people verbally that they don't even have a relationship with. I witness this on TV all the time. I witness it with comedians whose whole shtick is, I'm going to shred someone. And, and they, be, they become these mockers. They, they, they're cynics. They're cynical of everyone and everything. And, and unfortunately, what happens is if you sit among them, they poison the well that you drink from and here's the law of association. The law of association says, if you're not careful, you will become like the people you hang out with. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 22 says in verse 24. Don't befriend angry people. Well, why not? <laughs> or hot-tempered people. Or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. So listen, you will end up becoming like people. You know, one of the things that I have the privilege to do is um, because of my background and, and where I came from in my life and a, a life that radically changed when I, I encountered Jesus Christ at the age of 19 and he radically changed my life. But up until that time, I was a person who spent most of my time partying, doing drugs, drinking. That was my life. I mean, that's what I lived for. Those, that was my posse. Those were my friends. That's what we did. We did it very well. We did it extremely well. And I know this when I came to faith in Jesus Christ and said, that can't be my lifestyle anymore. I can't be living that way. That can't be a good thing, right? Because I feel God's pulling me another way. Here's what I know. Every time I was around my old friends, they were trying to pull me back into a party. And do you know what? I have the privilege every week of getting to speak to, speak to uh, people who are trying to break their addictions in a rehab center. I get to do that. And you know, I've asked so many of them this question. How many of you, when you're around your old friends, it's like they want the old you back. They don't want the change. And without fail, they all tell me, they all want Graham. You're right. They're like, come on, man. A little bit won't hurt you. Yeah, it will. For those people particularly, I mean, one thing and they're done. And, and so, you know what? You, you end up becoming like people you hang around with. So that's why the Bible says you're blessed by not sitting among or hanging out with mockers. Okay? You're blessed when you're not like that. Right? So what are the three things that we're told not to do? Do not listen to their counsel or advice, right? Do not take their path or walk in their way. Do not sit among them. And so what do those three things deal with? Number one, the advice and the counsel deals with how we think. Don't let them influence your thinking. That'll help you to stay blessed. Number two, the second thing is your behavior. Don't walk in their ways. Don't let their behaviors become yours. And if you keep yourself from certain behaviors, God will bless you. And then finally, what's the last one? Be careful who you belong to, right? When you belong to that crowd, they drag you into the mud with them. So guys, <laughs> I promise you, we won't just be talking about what not to do. 
I'm so excited about next week. Just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and show you guys how you can drink from these streams of God's river and water in this next lesson. But I just want to end today, honestly, just by blessing you. And I believe in the power of blessing. And uh, Jesus said it this way. He said, I want you to bless those who curse you. Now, that, that's a command for every person in this room. Bless those who curse you. So if he told you to bless people who were cursing you, then let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer it out loud. But if Jesus told you to do that, then do you have the, the power to do that? Absolutely. You have the power to release blessing through a prayer, through your words, however you do it. So today, I just want to release a blessing over you guys. Is that okay? Let's just pray. It says in number 624, and that's the blessing I'm going to, I'm going to just pray over you. Father, I pray that you will bless each and every person here and their family, Lord. I pray that you'll protect them. I pray, Lord, that you will smile on them and be gracious to them. I pray, Lord, that they will see your favor in a way they've never seen it before. I pray that you will give them peace. I pray, Lord, that they'll be marked, that your name will be on them. And that, Father, that your goodness and your mercy will follow them all the days of their life. Lord, I pray that blessing over each and every one of them. And I pray it in Jesus' name. And just for a moment, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed for just a moment, I just want to ask you a question. You know, we do this every week, but if you're here today and maybe you're like me, maybe you were raised in a church and walked away from it, or maybe you've never walked away from it, or maybe this is your first time here. I don't know, but I know for me, for a whole year, I felt God tugging on my heart and saying, hey, you need to change. You need to, you need to make a decision to follow Jesus. You need to surrender your life to him. And I fought that. I resisted that. But there came a day when I was like, you know what? I don't want to fight anymore. I'm ready to say yes. If you're here today and you're saying, hey, you know what? I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to follow him. And maybe this is your first time then. The good news is, is that today can be that day that you receive new life, that you receive this gift of life and that he writes your name in the book of life. And maybe you're here and you're like me where you were raised in a church, but you just kind of abandoned all that and now you find yourself back in here after all these years or just a short time, whatever. And you're saying, you know what? I'm ready to make that commitment all over again. I'm ready to recommit. Then I wanna just give you that opportunity and I just want to tell you one of the promises of the Bible is simply this, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, if we call out to Jesus, the Bible says, you will be absolutely saved. It's that simple. So if you want to pray today, make that commitment, then I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I'm going to ask the church to help me pray. And I do want you to know this. It's not some formula, but I want you to know that God is listening to your prayers right now. So let's pray this prayer. Say, Jesus. I believe in you. I believe you are the Son of God, that you died for my sins, that you rose from the dead. And today, I make a decision to follow you. I give you my life. Forgive my sins. Receive me into your kingdom. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, again, it's not a magic formula. It's just something God heard you. He acknowledged you. He saw the decision of your heart and the act of your will. And he honors that. 
Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.